yield. Everyone say yield. We're going to talk about yielding today, and we're going to talk about yielding next week. We're going to talk about two different aspects of yielding. That are very, There's a lot of things we could talk concerning this, but I believe we could address just two important aspects of yielding in these next two weeks. But there are four topics. I mentioned this before. There's four subject matters that get people uncomfortable in church, and there's others as well. But for sure, these four. You talk about money in church, people get uncomfortable. You talk about holiness in church, people get uncomfortable. You talk about, you know, demonstrative, expressive, radical, boisterous praise, people get uncomfortable. And if you talk about authority or submission or what we are calling yielding, people get uncomfortable. When you say authority, when you say submission, there is just a little tingle in the flesh that sometimes goes up and down the spine and a white knuckling of the fist. But this fourth thing called yielding is the determining factor of where one goes with the other three. Because we could teach and preach about money. We can teach and preach about holiness. We can teach and preach about worship. But this fourth one is the determining factor at what level someone's going to worship, at what level or degree someone's going to pursue this sanctification, this holiness. See, yielding is the undercurrent to compliance or defiance. Our flesh fights authority. Now, you're going to have to bear with me. Just before service, all my notes got deleted. But I have a few things I jotted down from memory, so I believe God's going to help us here these next few moments. But our flesh fights authority. Our flesh fights submission. Our flesh doesn't like the idea of yielding to anybody else other than ourselves. You know, why is that? Why does our flesh tighten up? Why does our flesh get tense when someone says respect authority, honor, or submit yourself to a higher power? It's been that way since the garden, Adam and Eve, when there was no sin, And finally, sin entered in when they disobeyed God and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sin entered into the world. And when that rebellious spirit took place, when they disobeyed God, when they did not yield to him, when they did not submit to him, that contagious spirit bled throughout the rest of humanity. It is the sin that the enemy, the adversary, the devil struggled with. He would not submit to God. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be on the same plane or above that plane of God. And his same spirit basically lured in Adam and Eve. And they did not yield to God. They did not obey God. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44 and verse 45, if you're wondering why we are With this nature, Jesus said to the religious people, you are of your father, the devil. How to win friends and influence people. Tell someone your daddy's the devil. You're a child of the devil. That's Jesus Christ talking. Can you imagine Jesus, this grace-loving Savior, this Messiah, who was born in a manger saying, you are of your father, the devil. And his lust will you do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he didn't abide in the truth. There's no truth in him. He speaks a lie. He's a a liar. He's the father of it. And then Jesus tags this on right after at verse 45. It's a very amazing scripture. He says, am I therefore, or he says, because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. 
And Jesus says, you don't believe what I'm saying because it's wrong. You don't believe what I'm saying because it's the truth. This truth confronts us sometimes. And when you're confronted with truth, there is a conflict. You can either get rebellious or you can convert by this conflicting message of truth that opposes everything to your flesh. And it's amazing how many times I observe in the face of truth, people's unwillingness to yield to truth. No matter how obvious it is, no matter how apparent it is, still unwilling to yield to a simple truth, a completely uh, 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 just right, basic, square in your face truth that there's no way around it. There's no way to dance. It's just a spirit about someone that is unwilling. They don't disagree that it's there. They don't disagree with the statement or the truth being spoken. They just simply do not yield in obedience to what the truth is. It's amazing how many times I have observed this unwillingness to yield. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Apostle Paul says it like this, in whom the God of this world, talking about the devil, he has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Now, the goal is that the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, that's who Jesus Christ is, Emmanuel, God with us, should shine unto them. God wants the light of his truth to pierce through that cocoon, that callousness around the mind that the enemy has fortified in every single one of us. Because we are the children of the devil. We have that rebellious spirit inside of us. Now, if you don't like that statement that you're a child of the devil, it's all right. You can be born again and you can have a new father. You can have a new father who is your heavenly father who loves you. And he's not a father of lies. He's a father of truth. He's the father of light. And so it says the God of this world, what he does is he blinds our minds. The enemy can't touch your flesh, so he'll influence your mind. It's very important. If the devil had all power, he would snipe off every single one of you when you were in sin, and he would make sure you go straight to hell. But the enemy does not have that power. The enemy does not have that jurisdiction. In other words, there would be none of us alive today. But he has access to your mind, and if he could blind it, if he could cloud it, if he could, you know, cause confusion and chaos in your mind, then he can begin to cause you to be an unyielded vessel. When you have a clouded mind, you will have an unyielded flesh. When your mind is clouded by the lies of the adversary, he'll convince you that you don't have to do that. Or if he can't convince you that way, because you can still see it plain as day and know that you have to do something because you see it in the word of God, he'll convince you that you can't do it. If he, if he can't convince you that you don't have to do it, he will now try to convince you that you cannot do it. And that is a lie of the enemy. And so we're praying in the name of Jesus that the moving of God's spirit will drive back that clouded thinking, that jaded thinking, and begin to let clarity and revelation begin to go through your mind. Let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 7 through 9. If you are following along there, it says, be not like your fathers. Now, we know that we originally are our father, the devil, but 
Sometimes we had not the best fatherly example. Uh, you look at our forefathers. We look at mankind or history that trans uh, uh, that trespassed against the Lord of their fathers, and they were given to desolation as they see now. And in verse eight says, "Do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield." Someone say yield. You got to yield yourself. Stiff-necked, resistant, obstinate. It's just like when you go to lay your hand upon someone to do something or encourage them, they, they pull away and they, they tense up. He says, don't be like that. Don't have that tense reaction. Don't have that stern response. But yield yourself to the Lord and enter into his sanctuary. This is where God wants you. And it says this sanctuary, he has sanctified, he has made holy forever. It's the goal, objective of God. And it says going on here that if you would do that, the fierceness of God's wrath will turn away from you. And if you turn again to the Lord, your brethren, your children will find compassion before them that lead them captive so that they shall come again unto this land. See, here, this is very important, is that your your unwillingness to yield, if that ever it's going to happen to any us, any of us at some point, sometime or another, there will be a moment where there is a lack of a willingness to yield to something from God. And so when that happens, it's not just about you. It's about yours. It's about your children. It's about your spouse because they are the ones he says, look, if you would simply turn, you go from being unyielded to being yielded. This will benefit your children. You will help your children in generations to come if you are a yielded vessel. And he says, I'll cause them to come back to this holy land because God is gracious. God is merciful and he won't turn his face away from you if. You return to him. Now, this word yield in in that we just read here in the scripture, it is mentioned. uh, uh, The the original word in the the Hebrew is actually give. It's uh, of all the times that the the word is used over some uh, a thousand times uh, over or close to a thousand of it is used as give. It's the Hebrew word forgive. And this word yield in this portion of scripture is actually comprised of two words, give and hand. The word hand uh, is yod, which is used over uh, 2000 times, but 1300 of those times it is used as hand. This scripture, God says, when you yield, it is a giving of your hand. It is an offering of oneself. It is saying, God, Here, let's join in partnership. God, I am willing to follow you. Here is my hand, and I want it in your hand, and I want you to lead me, God. Lord, like a child, you're my father. You're my new father, and I am your child, and I extend my hand as a willing offering, a sign to you that I want you to hold it, and I will follow. Anyone ever, uh, you know, try to, you know, cross the street with your kids or walk through the store with your kids? You know, you're like, okay, grab, grab daddy's hand, grab, grab mommy's hand. And you know, they're, they're, they're big kids now. They're three years old and they don't need to hold your hand. You know, they don't want to hold your hand. It's, it's not cool. And, and you grab the hand anyway. And you know, whether immediately, you know, it's how it's going to go, whether or not their hand is stiff 
or it like collapses into yours and just wraps its fingers into your palm. Am I the only one that has that kind of parental issue every now and again? You know if it's going to be a good cross across the road or if it's going to be a bad walk down the mall. And Watertown's finest mall in all of the world that has thrift stores in it. We won't talk about that today. But anyways, I'm a little, I'm a little bitter to call it a mall when there's a thrift store in there. But, but who, who as a parent can't but immediately be able to discern whether your child is yielded, submitted, or surrendered by the reaction if they're willing to extend their hand to you. And if they don't extend it, then you're, you're reaching for it. And it's already a frustrating journey as a parent, as a guardian, to lead and guide someone that way. The most enjoyable times is when we get out of the vehicle and immediately my kids go to my side and they reach for me without me having to say anything. It means it's going to be an enjoyable time. We're going to have a good time. And that's the way we ought to be with God. We ought to willingly give our hand to him. Now, this is something that's fascinating to me concerning these two words comprised for this word yield in this portion of scripture. It's, it's this word for hand, this word yield that's used for give and hand. The word hand is yod, where is where we get the term, the uh, a phrase, or the statement, the name Judah. It, it's Yada. It is literally to throw one's hands up in worship. And so when you yield, you are throwing, you are extending your hand to God. See, it, when you, yielding has everything to do with worship. What you give your hands to is worship. And as we learned in weeks prior, worship is a spiritual thing. We worship in spirit and in truth. And when we worship, we are yielding. We are a yielded vessel. And we can be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. See, worship and holiness, yielding, are all inter connected. And when God gave me the word, when he showed me the word why and and which each letter was supposed to mean, I had no idea how closely integrated or connected and interwoven these three things are. When you talk about worship, we found out about that we not only worship just to say we worship, but we worship in the beauty of holiness. And when we talk about yielding, literally the word is yod or yada. It is to extend your hand to God. It is a form of worship. When we are unyielded or unwilling vessels to God, we are worshiping something other than God. There's only one God who deserves all of our worship. It is why God says to worship with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. Now listen, church, submission needs to be our mission. Submission is as is, is tense as our flesh can get and as stiff and rigid our neck can get. Submission, yielding, is the influencing undercurrent of all spiritual activity. When somebody has a spirit of defiance or obstinance 
or resistance. It's it no matter what other arena or activity they may or may not excel in. It all stems still from an influencing undercurrent that sweeps under everything. And it is submission. It is yielding. You can have someone that can sing the roof off. You can have someone that's more talented than anyone you know. You can have anyone that has any type of ability. But if there is an unsubmitted current flowing underneath them, it will impact and influence every other area of their life. Submission. It's the undercurrent of all spiritual activity. It's what is called obedience. Someone say obedience. Obedience to obey is better than sacrifice. And what spirit we yield to is vital. The spirit you yield to is the fruit you will end up yielding. Whatever you yield to, whatever whatever your roots are tapping into, whatever undercurrents going on, you're going to produce it. You're going to yield it. It's going to come to fruition. And you're, somewhere, some way, somewhere down along the, the road, it will surface. I, I mentioned this before about, about unyielded spirits, about any topic, any subject, is you could, you could preach on something and, and, you know, you're like, you're the world's greatest pastor. God is the greatest God in the entire world. All this kind of stuff. I love the church, yada, yada. And, and, and a snake in a room can be pretty much harmless. It could not bother anything. Just coiled, rested under some heating lamp over there in the corner. But you start stepping where it's living, it can lash out. It will attack. Because now... It feels that it, it's, it's being intruded upon. It's, it's being bothered. It's being invaded. And, and so it will begin to rise. It will begin to give some warnings. That tail will rattle. It will begin to hiss. It will begin to lift up. And so this is why yielding is so important in our walk with God. Because you may think you're completely totally fine. Everything is good. You believe the Bible. You believe Jesus is God. You've been baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. But if there is just a subtle current of unyieldedness, unsubmissiveness inside of a human spirit, the day will come, it will be revealed, and it rises up. And it's not like a harmless little garter snake. It is a venomous snake. It is a poison. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. I'm looking at the time. Let not sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lust thereof. Neither yield. Someone say yield. Don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves to God that those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Sin is not meant to have dominion over you. Whatever you're struggling with, that is not the will of God for it to have dominion over you. Verse 15 says, so what do we do? Or do we just keep sinning because we're under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. When you are yielding, you are obeying something. You are placing yourself under something. So when we're saying yielding, we're talking about obedience. Yielding and obedience are closely connected. They're almost one and the same. And so whatever you're reaching out to, you're, you're in agreement with it. You are uh, in compliance with it. And so he says this, 
And in the, in, in the New Testament here, when we use this word yield, it's a little different than the Hebrew. In, in, in the New Testament, it means to stand by one side, to be, to be ready, to, to basically to be at hand, to assist, to aid. We're continually yielding to something and yielding totally. If, if you want to put up verse 19, here's what it says. It says, yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Yielding leads us to holiness and to unrighteous or unrighteousness. It's one or the other. One of these things is going to happen. When you yield, you're yielding to something that's going to lead you down paths of holiness and righteousness. And if you don't yield with the right spirit, you'll go down another path of something that is unrighteous. And so this word yield in the Greek, it is to to exhibit, to proffer, to recommend. It is to stand beside, to be at hand. And we must be yielded to God. We must stand beside him, ready at hand to do anything he wants at any given moment. This is what the word yielded means in this scripture. To, you know, it's one thing to say, well, I'm yielded to God. But like we're laying on the couch while God's over there doing something else. Yielded to God means you're by his side at any beckoning moment, ready to do anything and everything that he would ask you to do. That is a yielded spirit. This first aspect of what we're talking about today is a yielding to God. We have to be a people that are yielded to God. God is looking for somebody that is willing to submit themselves. Somebody that is willing to be under his authority. God is love, yes. God is holy, yes. But God is God. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He's not president of the United States where, you know, our vote's going to determine something. No, he is a sovereign king. He is the ruler of all. He is the creator of all. So this God of love, this God of holiness is a God of authority. He is a God that can do anything he wants to do. He's God. And so we got to make up in our minds, he's God and he loves me in his holiness. He's calling me to this. I got to be yielded to this God. I got to be submitted to this God. James chapter four and verse seven. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's a ploy of the enemy to cause inside of anybody and all of us a disdain for authority to avoid submission, to kind of just brush it off as no big deal. And he wants us to believe that it. This, this, this submission thing, this authority thing is a life that is held captive, that is inferior. But when we are submitted to God's authority, the enemy will flee. This is why the enemy causes this spirit to rise inside of us, an unwillingness to yield. Because if we ever are a yielded people, the devil is afraid of submission. It's the one quality he just didn't have that kicked him, got him kicked out of the presence of God. See, when he 
is in contact or face to face with someone that inherits a quality that he does not have. He is afraid. He is a no match for somebody that is submitted. You see, the devil is no match for somebody that is yielded to God because those that are yielded to God keeps them in the presence of God and the unyielded get kicked out of the presence of God. And so when you are a yielded vessel and the enemy tries to come and attack you, he cannot win because you are submitted to God. You are yielded to God. And the enemy knows what the other angels were able to do when they stayed yielded to God. See, the other angels were able to cast Lucifer and his third of angels outside of heaven. An unnamed angel one day is going to pick up that devil and cast him into the lake of fire. It's the No one else needs to know your name on this planet. All that needs to be known is that God looks at you and says, That's a yielded vessel. That's a submitted man. That's a submitted woman. And I can use that person to accomplish powerful things. It's why we need to be submitted. Because what we're up against is not submitted. And unsubmission against unsubmission is going to lose always. You can't defeat unsubmission with an unsubmitted spirit. You can only defeat the rebellious with a submitted spirit. And that, that Satan, that Lucifer, that devil, that serpent is a rebellious, slithering snake who is a liar. And he wants you to think, well, you don't need to be submitted to God. He's, he's asking too much of you. God expects too much of you. And you really can't do this anyway. You're not able to. That's not within your personality. It's just not within the uh, potential of your family tree. There's just no way because he's afraid what will happen if you become a submitted and yielded vessel of God he goes on to say humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up it's the power of yielding to God it's the power of being brought under the authority of God it's the power of completely surrendering to Jesus Christ. And so it may look on the outside, it may look in our flesh that when we humble ourselves and when we yield to God, we're basically getting demoted and we're lowering ourselves and we're going one ream down the, 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 the ladder. But when we approach God with that spirit and that attitude, God says, I can promote that person. I can lift that person up. I can take them up into heavenly places. I can give them authority because they know how to respond and react to my authority. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, I'm, I'm just about done. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him the form of a servant. As the Sunday before Christmas, and we sang some of those songs that were just powerful, powerful. If you didn't want to dial in and you know treat it as a worship song, you missed out on just a a wonderful presence of God that was moving through this atmosphere, and that God would humble Himself and take on the form of a servant. In verse eight, He humbled Himself and became obedient 
unto death. Here is God who has power over all things, and he would, though rich, become poor. Though Lord of all, would take on the form of a servant. And though he has power over all, he would be obedient and subject unto death. We all say we want to be Christians, want to be Christ-like, want to be like Jesus. But Jesus started off his ministry as a servant. Just like a servant before a master would be by the master's side at any given moment to perform the bidding of the master. It's what the word yield means. To be by one side, ready to do whatever is asked of you. How close are we really to Jesus? Because I believe Jesus is always talking. I believe Jesus is always speaking. But if you haven't heard him in a while, are you by his side? Because he's always talking. He's always got something on his mind. He's got a plan for every day of the week. He's got a plan for every minute of the day. He's got something in mind every single waking, breathing moment. And God forgive me because there's too many times I went through a work day without really being by his side, but being in my own world, taking care of my own thing. That is not a yielded vessel. That is a distracted vessel. That is an unyielded vessel that's more concerned with what I got to do, what I got to take care of, what I see as priority. But God help us to be yielded, which we put down our day planner and we step back and say, Jesus, this day is not mine. This day is yours. God, I want you to guide my steps today. Lord, it might mess up everything else in my day, but I ask Jesus, Lord, help me to have this mind, to take on the form of a servant, to be yielded by the side of my master, and I will do your bidding. I know what I want to do. I know what I would prefer to do, but I am a servant of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, what do you want me to do? Give me an ear to hear what the spirit is speaking. First Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. It says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but the person that commits fornication sins against his own body. And Paul says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. And look at this phrase. You are not your own. You're bought with the price, so you need to glorify God in your body, verse 20, and in your spirit. We talk about different aspects of holiness. It's not just one arena. It's body and spirit, mind, body, and soul. And so he says this, they are God's. Now this, we like to emphasize, and we need to emphasize, to flee fornication, to flee from sin. But it's not just about fleeing what is sin. It's about running to whatever he's bidding us to do. Because you can be in that process of sanctification, and now you're not struggling with fornication. Now you're not struggling with lying. Now you're not struggling. Whatever it is, and I thank God that you have fled from those sins. 
But I don't want to just flee from sin and just keep running without any direction. I want to flee from sin and I want to be found at the master's side and say, bid me to do whatever you want me to do. That is the key of what I thank God that he called me out from sin. I thank God he set me free from addiction. I thank God for those things, but I don't want to just keep running from them with no purpose. I don't want to run from sin with no direction. I want to run from sin, run to him and be at his side and say, I'm yielded to you. What do you want me to do? That is worship. That is worship. That is Yod. That is giving your hand to Yadah to be able to stretch and throw those hands up and say, here am I. I worship you by doing whatever it is you want me to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Timothy two, five submission initially can feel like a prison. But it has the potential to liberate one. Endless opportunity, someone that has potential. The Bible says, Paul told Timothy, if a man strives for mastery, you want to be the best, you want to be the champion. But you're not crowned. You don't get the trophy. You don't get the blue ribbon. Unless you do it lawfully. In verse 5 in the New Living Translation, it says it like this. Athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. If you have no direction, no written law, no instruction, no clarity given, you'll never rise to anything. You'll never know. You'll have no no markers of growth. Whether you achieve something or not, whether you have become better or greater, unless you are in the arena of the rules. And this is where we have to realize when we get into Christianity. Now, it's, it's dangerous to say this because, you know, again, we got such a messed up idea about Christianity. But someone could look at it and say, you know, it's just rules, rules, rules. But if there was nothing written, we would have no idea whether we're winning or losing. Whether or not we're even by his side or not. But it is written So it can be known. So I can look at this. Because you're not my measuring stick. This is my measuring stick. The Bible is the canon. It is the official marker. It is the authorized marker. And so it lets me know what is out of bounds. And what is in bounds. See, rules... What 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 good? And I'm, I'm not advocating for. I'm just using this as an illustration. What good would it be to 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 watch? You know, the NBA or the NFL. Who, no one would watch it if it was just pandemonium and chaos out there, with no rules, no regulations, no authority, no coach, no referee, no nothing. It no no one would watch it. It, no one would be uh, uh, paying attention to it, and, and nobody would know if they're even doing the right thing or not. But the reason why we can look at someone, whether it be like a Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, or Michael Jordan, you pick your football player, basketball player, whatever, what makes them so great is they know what they are to do. They are very familiar with the book. They are very familiar with the authors of the book that have written the things that they are to do and not to do. And that is what actually 
actually liberates them to perform in a way that they become a champion. It's the only way to become a champion is to familiarize with the author of the book, the author of the rules, the one that has spoken and decreed and written it. It causes me to realize this is where sin is at. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with. But God, I don't want to be yielded to that. I want to yield my members to you, Jesus. And I want to strive for the mastery. Would you lift your hands for a moment? Would you call on the name of Jesus? Jesus, I want to strive for the mastery. I want to strive for you, God. Lord, I want to win this race that I'm in. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Romans 8, 5 through 8. I just got two portions of scripture and wrapping it up. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. The carnal mind is enmity against God. And we talked about holiness and worldliness. What is the world? I don't know if any of you performed your homework. I hope you did. If not, it's still important for us to find out what is the world? What is carnal? What is spiritual? Because there is a carnal mind, there is a spiritual mind. In verse 7, it says, The carnal mind is enmity against God because it is not subject. And this is what we're talking about, yield. If we are not yielded to God, we cannot be. We cannot be with him. We cannot be by his side. Do I have a carnal mind or do I have a spiritual mind? Because verse 8 says, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. What does it mean to be in the flesh? What does that mean? A carnal mind, a fleshly mind is not subject to to the king who wrote the law. I want to be subject to the king. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's funny, a lot of things that we call sacrifice these days, it really is just our reasonable service. And in verse 2, this applies to what we just mentioned again. Be not conformed to this world. What is the world? What does one that is conformed to the world look like? What does one that is conformed to the world sound like? What does one that is conformed to the world behave like? What does one that is conformed to the world think like? But God wants us to be transformed. Literally a metamorphosis like a caterpillar into a butterfly. To take something that you are not and make something that you never thought you could be. But God miraculously takes you and transforms you into something beautiful. And it says this is done by the renewing of your mind. That we can prove what is good, acceptable, perfect will of God. I've been praying. I've been saying this quite a bit lately. 
God, give us a spirit of revelation and give us a spirit of transformation. God, give this church what I cannot give it. I can't give you revelation. I cannot give you transformation. I can merely give you the scriptural information that the word is anointed. But until it is unveiled to you, until the Bible says, remember we read in the beginning, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them. God, remove the blinders off these minds and eyes. God, let there be a revelation that that breeze of revelation drives out that cloudiness of the mind so people can think clearly and see clearly whether or not they are carnal or spiritual, whether they are yielded or unyielded. And there's ways to tell, and we're going to talk about that next week. There's ways you can know whether you really are yielded or not. Because it's it's easy to say you're yielded to something invisible. But God takes the visible to help you see whether you are or not. Let's stand together. Yielding and submission is very difficult for us as Americans because we take great pride in independence. Happy independence, America. But you take that, that concept of our nation, we are an independent nation, Independence Day. Our nation's independence was not gained because everyone independently got it. People joined together. It was a unified submission to gain independence. Rebellion will help you to think and feel independent, but really a rebellious spirit, you're slave to that spirit. Yielding submission actually grants what your soul truly craves, and that is liberty. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. It's why we need to yield ourselves unto God. Yielding is not easy, but God wants us to be a yielded people. God is calling us to be yielded to him. Don't be like your fathers. Don't be like the people we read about in the Bible that were unsubmitted to God. But instead, yield yourself, therefore, to God and realize, Lord, I can't be yielded if my hand is filled with something else. I can't be yielded if my hand is holding on to something else. I got to be willing to let go of whatever it is and keep my hand reaching out right here as I'm by my master's side and to do whatever his bidding is. God, here am I. My hands are available. See, here's the, the fear of yielding is if you really think about it, you are completely totally, absolutely surrendering, laying everything down and saying, God, I'm not my own. I'm yours. And whatever it is you ask of me, I'll let it go. Whatever it is you want of me, I'll let it go. What's holding on to you right now? Or what are you holding right now? 
Because if you're holding on to something other than God or something else is holding on to you other than God, that's not yielding. I want to let go. And I want to be completely, totally given to God. I want to be submitted to Him. I want to be surrendered to Him. You know, my wife, I remember when we were engaged and she was excited about being a nurse. And then all of a sudden, she did all that hard test stuff and she got in the nursing program. I remember her being stressed out about it, studying, giving herself hours to it. And then all of a sudden, God says, I want you to put that down and I want you to go to Bible college. And it's like, why would I go to Bible college? What would I do? I want to be a nurse. But that's what happens is that God can ask anything and everything of you at any time. And are you willing to do that? It's easy to say I'm yielded to God, I'm submitted to God. But a willingness and a yielding is to completely give everything over. You might have a career. You might have a degree. You might have this occupation that is attached to your degree. But at any given moment, God can say, I want you. Step away from that. Follow me. And it's a fearful thing to do. Because you put so much time, emotion, effort, energy, investment, and whatever. But God says, you're not your own. I bought you with a price. Glorify God in your body and spirit. The Apostle Paul, none more qualified to reach the Jews than Paul. And God says, forget your degree. Forget your childhood upbringing. I don't care that you know the law more than anyone else. I don't care. I want you to go to the Gentiles. And God caused this man, Paul, to walk away from everything that was Jew, everything that was Israelites, and go to a people that he had not an ever-loving clue about. And he reached the the then-known world. I'd like us to gather around this altar right now. I don't know what musicians want to help come sing. Are you yielded? Does yielding matter? It totally does. And how you respond to God's request totally is going to affect every other arena of your life. An unyielded vessel, an unsubmitted vessel, a disobedient vessel. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And you could tell in people every now and again when when they buck up against something, that spirit surfaces, that spirit rises. It's because somewhere along the way, they didn't yield something to God. And God is wanting to do a work in your heart right now and in your mind. And say, are you willing to yield that one thing that you didn't yield five years ago, that you didn't give up just a couple weeks ago, that I talked to you about a year ago, that I talked to you about when you were a teenager? Are you willing to give up anything and everything? Are you willing to say, God, I'll give up my career, I'll give up my house, I'll give up my everything to be submitted to you?
There's so many things we do, so many choices we make, and we've never even asked God about any of it. We didn't ask God about whether we should move here. We never asked God if we should, we should take this job. We never asked God about anything. We just make all of these decisions. And I'm not saying you have to ask God every day what bowl of cereal you should have and what color socks you should wear. But God's more interested in your life than you realize because you're not your own. He bought you. He purchased you. And he wants to do something with your life. And all God wants you to do is yield to him and say, God, whatever it is you want with my life, that is what I'm going to do. Still talking to my wife, and I'm coming to a close. I mean, she ended up going to Bible college, and we came out here, and that Bible college experience, she just did it for one year, and I graduated. We moved out here. It was a game changer for my wife. And if she had not done that, we would not have been ready for some of the things we faced out here. And then even when she came out here, then she she found out there's a nursing program here. She got her nursing degree, and then she went and worked and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, God started working on her again to lay that down. Even though we paid for the stinking thing, we paid for the degree. Spent hours doing it. It's better money than I was making. But yet God still said, no, I, want, I don't want you to focus on your ministry. I want you to take care of your kids. And my wife gave up her career just to take care of our kids and to raise them. Now, they may sound silly, trivial to some people, but nothing God asks of you is trivial. Nothing. And it may not make a lick of sense to you to give something up and yield something over to God, but God is the author and the finisher. And you can't, you can't finish well if you're not doing what he's trying to authorize you to do in the beginning. I want, I want to be yielded now. If you yield yourself to the Holy Ghost now, if you flee from the things you need to flee from and you submit yourself to God, you're going to defeat the thing that was defeating you. You'll overcome the obstacle. You'll win the battle. Because God anoints and yielded, submitted vessels. I want you to lift your hands right now and begin to pray to Jesus. I want you to begin to yield yourself and surrender and say, God, I want to be yielded to you. I want to be submitted to you, God. Because how I yield and how I respond is a total, absolute form of worship. And I want to worship in the right spirit. And I want to worship in truth, God. Lord, I will obey you. Go ahead and give yourself to Jesus right now. Come on, submit to him right now. Let this mind be in you as it was in Christ. Oh, he became obedient. He humbled himself. That's it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. 